Hey, what's up? This is Project Freelance, and I am your host, Kay Anagonio. Welcome back. If you haven't heard my voice before, well, buckle up. You're about to hear a lot of it. <laughs> my name is Kay Anagonio. Like I said, I'm your host on this podcast, and this week I am talking to a production manager named Tony B. I actually met him while I was out working for Red Handed Denial and Acme on tour on their West Coast Collision Tour. The last date of the tour was in Scottsdale, Arizona at a venue called Pub Rock, and I I met this guy and I couldn't stop talking to him. I We talked for like an hour and I wanted to talk to him more and I wanted him to come on this podcast and share his story with you guys and he was kind enough to agree to do it. So this week we'll be talking about how he got into the music industry by way of being a driver for artists and then his story progressed, but I will let him tell you all about it. But before we get started, I have to let you guys know I have a book out called No Tracers, An Urban Explorer's Diary. When I'm not freelancing, I actually explore abandoned buildings and take photos of them and film inside of them. So I compiled all of these photos into a book, and along with the photos, you actually have the stories of how I got into these places, of what happened during my explorations, and more. So if you guys want to pick up a copy, head to justtheletterk.com slash no tracers. I would love to sign a copy for you. And if you guys want a chance to win a free shirt, all you got to do is leave a rating on this podcast on Apple Podcasts, which is preferred. The more ratings we get, the more feedback we get, the bigger this podcast grows, the more eyes see it, and the more people will listen to it. So do me a favor, leave a rating and some feedback, and then hit me up on Instagram at Project Freelance with a screenshot of your review, and I will have you entered to win a free shirt. And there's going to be a couple people that get free shirts. So yeah, leave a rating, get a shirt. That's how it works. It's exciting. Thank you guys in advance for doing that. I appreciate it. So let's get into this episode with Tony. Please introduce yourself and what it is you do to the Project Freelance audience. So Tony B, uh, what I do as a freelancer is I'm a production manager, uh, which I've done for years. I'm also a licensed private investigator. So let's start with the thing you did first. What did you do first as a freelancer? So uh, years back prior to me getting into the production management side, I was a driver for concerts. Actually, prior to that, I was a um, custom car audio guy. I used to do pimp my ride type stuff to your car, and uh, that turned into working on exotic cars, which kind of led into um, dealing with a specific type of clientele that built to the music from there i kind of started as a driver and i used to drive artists that would come into phoenix for concerts back uh, about 10 years ago so why what got you into cars like what was your where did your passion for cars come from so truthfully i it was funny because it was it was always by accident i i think in a lot of the positions that i got to um initially i was in you know, recovery. I did that from a young kid, you know, probably 19. It was one of my first real jobs um, where I worked in an office setting. But, you know, I did collections recovery years back. And as I did that for the for the time that I had, you know, you get to a point where you just start to see things a little different. You know, you don't want to sit in an office for ever. You know, at least I didn't at the time. I, I wanted to you know, see other things. I always knew that there was just more out there than just sitting behind a desk. So, um, initially I started selling subscription, like, uh, subscriptions for magazines. So I would get, um, not subscriptions. I would get, 
advertisements for magazines. I was working for like a local uh, car, kind of high-end car magazine. And I ended up meeting a guy who owned a car audio shop. And um, through conversations with him, we ended up getting him an ad in this magazine. And from there, I would always deal with him. I was his client rep. So you know, we always had these conversations and I would talk to him about some of the other stuff I was doing. And at the time he was building a shop and he was like, you know, come work with me. Uh, I'll give you some money, you know, a week you can at least survive and, and I'll teach you how to do car audio. And, you know, I was always interested in systems and cars. I used to always put systems in my own cars. So to learn how to do it for me was like, you know, this golden opportunity. And I was able, I was able to get out of an office and so what I did is I took this, you know, opportunity with him. I was making maybe a few hundred bucks a week, uh, but I was learning how to, you know, customize cars, fiberglassing and things that, you know, you would really um, do to upgrade interior wheels, you know, 30 TVs, things like that. Pimp, pimp my ride type stuff. Uh, and so I did that for a good few years. And the individual that I worked with, as you know, we had continued building this business over the years. Um, you know, he was building with other individuals and and some of those other individuals, you know, started to come the financial part. And what happened was, you know, there was an individual that came in kind of later uh, during the time and, you know, bought this slew of high end cars. So we had two Rolls Royce Phantoms, uh, you know, full 65 Maybach, two Bentleys, you know, real high end cars and so uh, there was one of our cars that way back, Terrell Owens, who was a wide receiver for years in, in the NFL, um, had one of the cars that we owned and that we had negotiated through a deal with Dub because we used to travel with Dub. Um, we would go to, you know, the big trade shows in Vegas, SEMA, CES, and stage these, you know, $300,000 cars for these events. Um and so that was, you know, kind of how I started getting into the events environment. You know, it was just by accident, I always say, uh, you know, just being in the right place to seize opportunities is my true belief. Uh, but what we would do is we would stage these cars. And then when we would get back to Phoenix, you know, after these events, I became kind of responsible for getting us involved in things at home. And this is where I started making these connections with promoters because the owner had suggested, hey, you know, reach out to some of the people that are doing concerts, see if we could, you know, stage our cars at those events. A, it was a big marketing thing for us. You know, people really got to know who we were in Phoenix uh, and, and some of the outlying cities. Um, and then, you know, the concerts would have this look that, okay, hey, there's all these high-end cars out front. What's going on there? I want to be there. And so that was kind of the trade-off for a while. You know, it, it would just be us staging these cars for events. You know, of course, it put us in these environments with these artists. And, uh, you know, for years, that was, that was kind of how it all started. And then what happened was as that company started to go away, me being the, you know, independent thinker that I am, uh, as the cars, you know, the, the owner of the company decided to liquidate, you know, some of his assets he had to leave. So what happened was I 
you know, had these opportunities con- to continue working with these promoters, you know, during that time where we had done transportation, we had utilized these high end cars for that. Well, when those started to go away, you know, I found other ways to facilitate their need for transportation. So what I would do is I would a lot of times just rent SUVs, um, you know, so that I could continue working in these environments and it would still pay me and I would still have the opportunity to work around these artists. And so for years, that's how I, you know, continued to remain in the environment. I became, you know, a driver for, um, for concerts and, and for artists. And, you know, for years I would just pick these artists up at the airport, drive them to their hotels, you know, take them to their sound checks, to dinners, um, you know, and, and made sure they got back to their shows. And, you know, through that, I was able to build a lot of, uh, real good connections and, and, you know, to network with people and, you know, exchange numbers and, and just talk through a lot of things. And so, uh, one of the promoters that I had spent a lot of years with driving, um, you know, eventually called me up, you know, a lot of years later and said, Hey, how would you like to work production? Uh, it's an individual by the name of Sean Healy. And, you know, Sean Healy is somebody who I, when I started driving for concerts, he was one of the first few people that gave me that opportunity. And, you know, I was able to build with him over the years. Yeah, we had Sean on a, on a podcast recently. And uh, he also just, for listeners out there, he was uh, the promotion company, webookbands.com, uh, for the tour that I just got off of with Red Handed Denial, Acme, and Kerbera. So I I love Sean, and, like, he's he's got such a great heart, and I love that he is, you know, helping so many people and giving them opportunities. And so, yeah, continue, uh, continue your story. So a funny story about Sean is Sean, you know, as you say, is, is a great guy. And, and, you know, I always am very thankful to him. And I always try to convey that thank, you know, thankfulness to him um, because he is somebody who really has afforded opportunities to a lot of people. And, you know, I think back to when I was a driver for him, you know, we were bringing out the artists that, you know, now as these, you know, world world-known artists, your Kendrick Lamars, your Machine Gun Kellys, these people that really utilized that initial platform and, you know, blew up. So he has been a a big part of a lot of, you know, artists over the years and and just affording them the opportunity to get on shows, whether it's at a local level or whether it's at a national level. I mean, just having the resources he has, you know, is is, uh, beneficial uh, to a lot of people and and has been for a lot of years, but such a good guy. But, um, you know, for a while, even prior to me working production, I had started working with an artist and I had been on the road uh, a lot working, you know, similar to what, what you had done, just kind of, um, doing what was needed, you know, on the tour aspect of it, feeling a specific role, but, you know, ultimately wearing a lot of hats and not really saying, well, this is what I do because, you know, at any given moment that can change. And I, and I think that's one of, you know, the things that I've learned over the years in that environment is, you know, it was never really, uh, I'm going to do this because sometimes, you know, as much as I wanted to do that, I found myself doing something completely different or, it was just the opportunity 
took me in another direction or, you know, just what was happening. So, you know, I've always tried to be receptive to those things and, and being open. And, you know, as I've gotten a little bit older, you know, I try to be quiet a little bit more and listen to some of what's going on around me because, uh, you know, it, it's taught me a lot. Uh, but once I got off the road and, and doing a lot of traveling, which, you know, as a parent is a tough thing, you know, because you're you're gone a lot. Uh, you know, if you do have kids at, at home, you you have to sacrifice and balance a lot of things. So, um, you know, when I was home, I started doing production for concerts and uh, working, you know, with a lot of artists that even to date, you know, still continue to make music some 20 years later. You know, some of them or even some artists that, that you barely hear of, you know, within the year. And next year, there's somebody you know, that, that you couldn't even have expected. You know, a lot of these artists that, that get to come out and, and get to go on these tours and, and whatnot, you know, you never really realize um, some of the opportunities that they have. And, and so, you know, being for me able to work around these environments and, you know, being able to put on these shows and, and see these, you know, up and coming artists in some instances or these artists that have been doing this and just have this, work ethic about them almost keeps me on my toes and, and lets me know that, you know, no matter what, there's always somebody there uh, right next to you willing to either do what you weren't willing to do or at least to work harder than you were. Um, so it's, it's made me continue to try and keep myself young to keep up with it all. But, you know, uh, it's been a good opportunity. I, I've been able to, to learn how to just, you know, speak with people, network with people, you know, look at the things around me and the people around me and, and appreciate them for their talents and values and, you know, be able to rely on the people around you. I think that's one of the most important things as well is, you know, trusting enough in the people around you that no matter what, you know, say I may not know how to do this or I may not have all of the, you know, um, knowledge or resources, you know, this person next to me can fill that spot. So, you know, that's the other thing I think about the industry of music or even whether it's an artist in production, promotion, um, knowing that you can rely on a lot of the people around you. And, you know, even with your guys' tour, uh, I know there was a language barrier for some of you guys and, you know, but seeing how um, just you guys jailed and, and how you guys worked together so comfortably and then to see the stage present and and you know see you guys up there just doing what you love to do you know that type of stuff drives me and and you know i'll tell you that's what always keeps me going is seeing that type of energy because i just can't let it go yeah it was such a cool like environment for me I, it kind of felt like we all knew each other for years and that was like the first time all of us had met you know so it was just like the perfect matchup you know and uh we, I mean, we had a great time that night. So tell me what a typical night looks like for you. So any um, concert, you know, usually starts a good few hours prior. This is what a lot of people don't realize. They see the production of it and, you know, they come in, they, they pay their money, get their ticket and go inside. But a, a lot of what goes into those concerts prior um, is is what I like to call the fun stuff, you know getting the stage set, getting the sound right, uh, you know, getting 
everybody in line, everybody in order, understanding the steps that you know need to be followed in order to make a show a successful show. And, and that could mean a lot of things, you know, from security being, you know, a good part of the evening. And, and I've been around concerts where your security is, is a little more tough, maybe sometimes than they need to be. And, and, you know, to me, it's always just been about respect. Um, I think you can get a lot accomplished by just respecting people. You know, it, it's not always a situation where you got to be tough, but, you know, knowing that, that you can rely on your security to, to manage those situations in the right way, because ultimately, you know, you, you working in a concert, um, you're liable for the people that come to that concert. And if you have security pummeling on people because, you know, this guy may be acting a, a little bit drunk, belligerent, which I've seen on more than one occasion, uh, you know, it's just not the way to handle it. So, you know, being able to trust those guys and know that they have the right foundation to to manage whatever situation arises. But a typical day for me starts with, you know, any any time usually between the afternoon and, and early evening, you start your setup. Your artists will come take their first um, look of the venue. You know, you do your sound checks at that point where you get your audio engineer and, and the bands or, you know, whatever groups together to start working out any sort of specifics on the sound uh, levels of things like that. Um, artists, you know, making sure that artists are um, prepared for what they need. You know, if there's any hospitality requirements, you know, usually and I think you probably have seen this on, on the road, you know, you like to have a room set up for certain things. So. Uh, a lot of artists, writers will say, hey, I want these items in my dressing room. These, you know, these things need to be available. This needs to be available for food. And as a production manager, it's your job to make sure that all of that stuff is in place. You know, making sure that when the artists get there, they have what they need, you know, they need. Um, and then just being available to them as the night progresses, you know, trying to just be uh, fluid. You know, I think that's a good word. Uh, as a production manager, you got to be fluid. You're kind of flowing from dealing, you know, with artists to dealing with the house people, security, your sound engineers, uh, dealing with the crowd that may be building out front, trying to get people checked in so that you get doors open and you can get people in the venue on time. You know, just trying to make sure that things run smoothly and that there's as little hiccups as possible because, you know, those hiccups do happen. So let's switch gears and talk about you as a PI. How did you get into that work? That's yeah. uh, very different from production management. <laughs> so uh, what you probably don't realize with PI stuff is, is a lot of it is, is just investigative stuff from a lot of different areas. Uh, and I learned that in my investigative career. But, you know, going back to the recovery side, in recovery, you do a lot of people locating. You do a lot of people locating and you do a lot of asset locating. So you're always searching for people and their money. Um, and as that experience progressed, you know, I, I've worked for lawyers for a lot of my years. Uh, and what kind of made me ultimately become a PI was a lot of the experience I had with these lawyers and just, you know, searching people and assets out. I, I did commercial recovery for a lot, uh, a while where that was, you know, you're looking at businesses. It's not just an individual. You're looking at corporations and now you're finding this corporation's assets. So there's a lot of in-depth investigative work that goes into that. 
in order to actually become a PI licensed through the state, you have to have a minimum of three years investigative experience that can be pretty much signed off on. So uh, before I could ever do that, you know, I, I was doing these investigations for these attorneys. And uh, then, you know, I started looking at it kind of as a whole, as a bigger picture. I thought for me, you know, what's going to give me a little more leverage in the industry. And that was where I started looking at, you know, getting my own license as a PI. I had heard it, you know, mentioned throughout my years. And I thought, you know, that would be cool for me because it just fits who I am. Well, one of the, the things that I am. Um, so I ended up getting, you know, this PI license. I, I, I kind of compiled all of my experience over the years. And you have to go through the Department of Public Safety in order to get licensed. So you have to present to them all of these documents, uh, the experience. You have to go through federal background checks. So, you know, they can ensure that you don't have any sort of felony background or criminal background that would uh, hinder you from becoming a PI because what happens is you get access to a lot of information. So I went through that process. You pay some fees. I think all in all, it's probably close to about a thousand dollars in fees uh, and just licensing in order to get that whole thing situated to get licensed through the state. You know, I had to create a business an LLC you know, as a, a PI. So that way I can get bonded through the state. That way, if I make any mistakes, you know, at least I, I'm bonded and, and I'm covered through the state. So um, it was a lot more uh, of just the paperwork initially, but now, you know, you just have to renew it every couple of years. And uh, as long as you don't make any mistakes or, you know, do anything illegal, you can keep the license. Uh, gotcha. Um, so how did you learn like the process to become a PI? I mean, like you just talked, you just talked us through the process. How did you actually learn that process? Like, did you go to school or like, what did you do? So a lot of it was, you know, working with these lawyers over the years. Um, and just again, being in tune, being open to learning these different things and, and being, you know, smart enough to ask the right questions or to even ask questions when when I was curious about something, you know, never leave yourself in the dark uh, because, you know, there, there's you never know what you might miss out, miss out on by not pursuing something or not maybe asking that question. But, uh, you know, I would I would talk to, you know, who, who really helped me was one attorney that I worked for for about five years. Um, he was one of the people that uh, wrote a majority of my experience in for me and who I spent a majority of my years with and who continues to be a super good resource, you know, for me to date. Uh, but it was a lot of just, you know, understanding the business of it. You know, I think to be a PI, it's, it's almost something that f finds you, not necessarily you find it. And I mean that to say that, you know, I was always very analytical, and how I think and how I do things, um, you know, it's just how I function. So anytime I see a problem, my mind already goes to, okay, I'm going to break this down and I got to figure out how to solve it. I'm, I'm a resolution guy. I always say I'm a resolution guy. So I like to see things completed. I like to see things solved. And that's always been me. I, I can remember from a young guy, you know, wanting to do 
puzzles and, and things on computer that made you have to put together a room and, you know, instead of um, different types of games where you're just shooting things up, I, I liked more mind games. And so uh, I found that as I got older or, or as I matured, you know, even in the jobs I would be in, you know, I would just find myself kind of functioning in that manner. And what you realize is that's exactly what a PI is. It's, you know, it's just somebody who knows how to go and find information, you know, how to go, you know, about thinking about things outside the box and, and really, you know, know where to go for those resources. And some of it, you know, I, I've been as a PI granted, you get access to a lot of information you know, for a lot of people. And so that's one of the things with licensing. You got to be real cautious because you do have access to so much private and, and pertinent information when it comes to individuals. Definitely. Um, yeah. And that's a huge responsibility. So have you ever had an internship or have you ever been a mentor for somebody? Um, I haven't. Well, let me rephrase that. You know, over my years, I have worked in management. And, you know, I, I think with managing people uh, or, or managing, I, I call it more managing the process. I, I've always said I don't manage people. I manage a process. People manage themselves. Um, but what I found as a manager leader was that for for you to be an effective leader, for you to be you know, somebody that people can look at and say, you know what, I trust what he says, you know, I'm going to follow what he says, even if sometimes I can't see what he's talking about. I, I get the vision of it. And so I'm willing to take that route. Um, but how I learned to be a manager was, you know, I would always try and put myself right next to that person. And, you know, if it was in recovery, if it was in investigations, if it was in concerts, I try to put myself, you know, next to that person. And instead of me telling somebody, hey, this is what you do, I just try to do it. You know, I try to show them this is how it's done. And, and as you do it, you kind of talk them through. This is why I do things this way or this is how it's done this way or, you know, just try to let them visually see it. Uh, and I have found that people will follow that a lot more if they're bought into it, you know, if they believe into it, if they can see what you're saying, if they trust what you're saying, if they've seen it be successful, you know, if it's in a recovery aspect, you know, if you're um, successful in recovery, you're making good money. And if somebody can see you doing that, then they're going to say, okay, well, I want to make that money. Concerts, you know, concerts is no different. If they see that you can manage a room, if they see that, you know, stress levels are at a balance, um, kill and and you know things are running smoothly then they're going to say okay you know i'm going to pay attention to how he's running that show uh and so you know i think that that's being more a visual leader being somebody who's not afraid to get in the trenches with your people and you know do the work next to them if i want to if i want you to dig this ditch perfect i got to get in there and dig that ditch first so that you understand what perfect is absolutely all you managers out there need to, of any any type of manager, you need to listen to this seriously. This guy knows what he's talking about. It's yeah. it's true. And, and, and what I've learned is if you get people to buy into you that much, you know, we used to always have a joke. People will walk through walls for you. And it's very true. If they believe that you are there for their success, if they believe 
believe at least that you care about their success or that you want to see them do good and that you're trying to help them, they'll go through walls for you. And and, and I say that because I've had the luxury and um, the benefit of being able to manage people and, and to see that in action. Um, but it was no different than when I coached kids soccer. And, and I'll tell you, out of all the things I've done over the years, whether it was dealing with artists, you know, from your Kendricks to your Dr. Dre's to your games to your this person, um, you know, to managing for these big companies. The most rewarding thing I ever did was coaching a bunch of kids in soccer, uh, truthfully, because, you know, that to me was the ultimate, you know, give back. That was how I ultimately felt like, you know, these kids really just want to be good at something. And so, you know, uh, it's no different than that, just kind of being there so that they see exactly how things are done and, and they can see it in action. And, and you know, I, I think once you get that, you get buy-in from people. And that's really how you kind of can elevate not only the people around you, but yourself. Hey, if you ever write a book, you I think you have a title. People will and walk I'm, through walls for you. <laughs> yes, you, Hey, you know, I've always said, I've always said, and I've always thought for years, um, I've wanted to write a book. I'm just, you know, I, I'm not much of a writer now I can write, but you know, I don't know the dynamics. There's things again, I don't know. I need to find me somebody who knows how to write a book and I need to move forward with that option. So if you know anybody, oh, for you sure. let me know. Definitely. If anybody out there writes, uh, please hit this man up. He needs, he needs a writer. Let's make this happen. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Let's make connections sure. here, guys. All right. So what is something you know now that you wish you knew when you started? Uh, talk less and listen more. You know, uh, I, I believe I've learned more as I've gotten older because I've learned to be more patient. I've learned to be more quiet. Uh, you know, when I was younger, I was very high energy you know, want to be kind of the center of the room, things like that. And as I've gotten older, that's definitely almost the opposite side of the spectrum of who I am now. And as I've gotten to where I am now, you know, I've had the ability to learn uh, so much more. And, and, you know, I continue to learn even at where I am, you know, not shutting my mind off and, and not, you know, allowing myself to believe that I've learned it all even at this point. So just continuing to stay open to the things around me because life continues to change. You know, uh, the world around us continues to change the things and the way that things function, you know, continue to change. So being open and receptive to those things, uh, I think, is something as I've gotten older, I've learned to do. I wish I would have done it more when I was younger. Cool. And if people want to hire you, find you or talk to you more, where can they do that? Uh, so... I do have uh, my PI, it's uh, abinvestigationsaz at gmail.com. Uh, I am also with uh, Sean Healy Presents. You can find me on Instagram at Tony underscore UNIQ. And on, yeah, that's about it. I keep Instagram and, and you know my email for my business. Uh, if you want to reach out to me at either one of those, I usually am pretty responsive. Um, you know, and, and anything that anybody's ever got for questions, I try to be open to those because, you know, I always say 
being able to give others knowledge uh, is powerful. And, and, you know, if I can help the next person, you know, that's always, I think, what my goal has been here uh, on this earth. So Awesome, man. Thank you for coming on to the podcast. I appreciate you having me. Thank you so much. He started driving bands and now he is a production manager and that just goes to show you that there is so much room for growth and there is so much opportunity within the music industry. So if you are out there and you're trying to get into production, if you want to know more about production management, I hope this podcast helped you guys out. I hope it taught you something and I hope that you take this information with you on your own career path. Thank you guys for listening to Project Freelance. Like I said, if you want a chance to win a free shirt, leave a rating, leave some feedback. Let me know what you think of this podcast. And lastly, I just want to let you guys know that if you would like to join the mailing list, go to justaletterk.com. There will be a pop-up that comes up that asks you if you want to join the mailing list. On that mailing list, I sometimes send out emails of my blogs that I write. So whenever I travel, I take photos, I write a blog about it, and then I send that out to you guys. And uh, there's also other things I talk about through my mailing list, whether it be my music, my film, or like I said, my blog posts. I would like you guys to be a part of that. So if you want to go ahead and join, go to justtheletterk.com and you can join there. All right, guys, I will talk to you next week on another episode of Project Freelance. Thank you for listening. Stay strong. Keep enduring. Go out and go create something.